Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Hebrew Bible, from Psalm 118, verses 14 through 29, which you can find on page 565 in your pew Bible. Hear these words from the psalmist. The Lord is my strength and my might and has become my salvation. There are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly, valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, not 1 John, as the page number would have you believe, but the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, and it can actually be found on page 115 of your pew Bible. I invite you to read along or to actively listen. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After 
He said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. <laughs> Thomas is not one that beats around the bush. He calls it like he sees it. He speaks honestly and directly. He doesn't just always see the elephant in the room. He sees it and points it out to everybody else. Of course, everyone sees it too, but they aren't going to say anything. Thomas is that guy. The guy that says exactly what's on his mind. Take, for instance, that time when they sat down with Jesus for a meal and Jesus was going on about leaving to prepare a place for them and coming back to get them and that the disciples knew where Jesus was going. And Thomas didn't hold back. Thomas blurts out, no, Jesus, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Do y'all ever remember back in high school or maybe college and the teacher was going on and on and you were supposed to know what they were talking about, but you don't? 
Y'all remember that? Ever been in a meeting, perhaps? And you're too afraid to raise your hand and ask the question because you're supposed to know what the professor's talking about. And you're wondering if you missed some notes somewhere, if you forgot to do a reading, you're kind of frantic, and you're, y'all relate to this with me? Okay. And you're hoping and praying someone will raise their hand and ask, what in the world are you talking about? It's sure not going to be you, but you're hoping that someone else is going to do it. And you're right, it's okay, because it's not going to be you, but it would be Thomas. Thanks to Thomas, you may just figure out what's going on in class. And maybe you'll even make an A. Of course, Jesus' response to Thomas when he's gathering with them at that last meal is, is just as cryptic. I am the way and the truth and the light. And Thomas doesn't respond. He just left it at that. But I can't imagine he's satisfied with Jesus' response as he perhaps thinks to himself, no, Jesus, you're not the way, you're a man. And, and why do you insist on always talking in those riddles? Then over the next few days, everything that Jesus mentioned at dinner happened. Jesus was dead, just as he said, and that much Thomas knew was true. He was there, and he saw it, and no doubt about that. And then the thing that nobody had ever been quite able to believe would happen, happened too. And Thomas wasn't there at the time. Who knows where he was? And the disciples had locked themselves away out of fear and out of paranoia. Their leader had just been killed by the state. Now there had been sightings of him that he's alive. Is he back? Are they going to try to kill him again? Are they going to try to kill us? There's a real sense of panic. So they've locked themselves away. Then out of nowhere, Jesus stood among them and greeted them with a shalom. Not a transparent ghost or a figment of their imagination. There was too much fear to imagine much about anybody else. And Jesus showed them his hands and his sides, and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, and he spoke of forgiveness, and then he departed. And upon Thomas's return, wherever he had been, getting coffee, a walk in the park, clearly not in fear for his life like the others. The disciples shared what had happened. We have seen Jesus. And Thomas's reaction is perhaps what you would expect. Ha! An idle tale, perhaps? Fake news? And he said, unless I see the mark of the nails myself, I will not believe. A week later, Thomas gets his wish. 
like before the doors were shut and Jesus stood amongst the disciples and this time Thomas was there and like Thomas Jesus cut to the chase saying just put your finger here and see my hands reach out your hand and put it in my side don't doubt but believe and speechless and shocked the only thing Thomas can mutter is a profession. My Lord and my God. What else do you say against evidence like that? Then Jesus asked a question of his own. Have you believed because you have seen me? Then adding to all those who will come after Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. Thanks to our friendly translators and editors, we know this Bible story by a specific name. What? Doubting Thomas. Thomas gets a bad reputation for this encounter. Unfortunate given what I think is quite a demonstration of courage and strength. It may be a greater blessing for those who believe without seeing, but it's hard to imagine that there isn't a believer who wouldn't trade places with Thomas given the chance to see face or to hear or to touch the hands of Christ. And after all, Thomas is only asking for what so many others already had the chance to experience. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene and all those other women in the Gospels, and he's appeared to the rest of the disciples. Why can't Thomas have his chance? And there are some people that are lucky or blessed enough to have a vision of God that changes their life. Beyond just seeing Jesus' face in a piece of toast or water mirage or most recently in the flames of Notre Dame as it burned, some experience beyond a dream that tells us without a shadow of a doubt what direction to go in confident that God is with them. I know that some of you have had those sorts of experiences and visions. And thanks be to God for those who have had that. And when we do, we're often a bit shy in talking about them. But many of us may never be blessed with that direct look into the face of God. And yet we stumble along towards believing anyway. However, our relationship to Jesus and the development of our faith comes to be, whether it is messy or doubting or seeing, it is the relationship that is of importance. 
Jesus' appearance is not one of judgment when he comes and meets those disciples. It is not one of judgment, but one of reconciliation. Jesus speaks words of peace. Peace be with you. A phrase that would have stirred the disciples' memories of previous conversations and promises of the Holy Spirit. They would have remembered. They would have remembered Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not, do not let them be afraid. And here it is. Jesus. His peace. And the Holy Spirit. To send them out. To remind them what it is, even in their fear and their doubt and their concerns for safety, of what they are supposed to do. Here, Jesus reminds them that as a community that is reconciled to themselves and to Christ, their future is not defined by their past. And they are encouraged to go. Unlock those doors to step outside. To go and finish the work that Jesus called them to do. So whoever you are, and however you have come this day, and wherever you may be on the spectrum of faith and doubt through the testimonies of the saints. We can be certain that God, through the risen Lord and Holy Spirit, is indeed present with us in our lives. Meeting us like he met Thomas, just as Thomas needed. So let us unlock the doors. Unlock the doors of the church. Unlock the doors of your hearts. And let the risen Lord in. So that today, faith and doubts and all, you can still hear Jesus say, Peace be with you. Amen. <coughs> I invite us to stand as we are able, responding with our voices and our hymn of commitment that Easter day when joy was bright. We will sing verses 1, 2, and 4. Stand if you are able.
may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy One, in the singing of sacred music and hearing your word, we are reminded of your abiding presence always with us as you are with us here today. Together we lift our voices because we know you are a loving God, a God who meets us where we are, for who we are as individuals and as a congregation gathered here. Though there is painful silence in the world today, as violence greets us on the television screen, of more news stories of people who have been injured in their houses of worship. We see the pain of injustice and oppression are, every, are ever present. And you call us to give voice to the hurt in our world. It can be hard, Holy One, hard to know just what to say, but in music, in song, you remind us that all we must do is to speak of your love and to sing of your justice, to join our voices together as the church. For those who lament, Holy One, we sing. And for those who celebrate loving God, we sing. And for our church and what you call us to do, we sing. We sing when we know nothing else to do. And we sing when we don't know what to say. And we sing having faith that our praises to you will uncover your calling and we will move. We sing because you are a good and righteous God. We sing to feel closer to you. We sing remembering that you have never left our side. Amen. Mm -hmm. 